right from the word go this morning, uh, I just felt, again, just my spirit stirred, and uh, man, I just want to clap loud, I want to sing loud. Why? Because one, I just want to honor the Lord, but two, I've got a glimpse of what He wants to do in our lives, in my life, in our, in our church, in your life, in this coming season, and uh, I don't want to do anything by half heart. I don't want to just come and just give little claps or little mumbles of praise. I want to give a big shout of praise. I remember what it was like when I, I struggled at some times to, to open up my voice. So I had to come down and practice for a little bit. I used to come down here when I was young, turn on the mic when, we, when it was easy to do, <laughs> and speak and just practice preaching, practice lifting my voice, because one day I knew I was going to be a preacher, but I kind of knew what I was struggling with inside. But I would encourage you today. Uh, this season ahead is going to be just fantastic. I am so excited. Um, I'm, going to, I'm going to preach to you this morning about, again, what God has placed in my heart. I want to pick up from where I left last Sunday. It's kind of really a chapter in one of the books that has kind of been written in the Spirit, but I actually haven't written it out yet. <laughs> and uh, last week we talked about uh, Matthew chapter 19. And here's uh, the rich young ruler. He was is uh, a good young fella. He, had, he he went to the synagogue on a regular basis. Went to church every week. He uh, he read his Bible. He prayed. He he read the scriptures, the Torah. He he did everything in good. He did all the right things. But he knew that there was something still missing inside of his life. And then we heard about Jesus. He saw Jesus, and he wanted to follow. He want, he wanted what Jesus had. And then Jesus looked at him and said, uh, you know, do this. And he said, well, I've done all that. Go to church. Go and serve in the church. He said, I've done everything. He said, but there still seems to be something missing inside of my life. And then Jesus looked at him, the Bible says, and in the book of Mark, he says, and Jesus loved him. And so Jesus looked into his heart and saw that there was something inside of his heart. He was a good young fellow on the outside, but there was, a, there was something inside of his heart that Jesus lo- loved. And then Jesus said to this, he said, sell all your things, give it, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. And then come follow me. Amazing what Jesus said. Jesus gave him the offer of a lifetime. He offered him the very thing that he was looking for. However, there was a commitment. There was what's called a competing commitment inside of his heart. And sometimes when, I know for many people, we're looking for something new of God inside of our life thinking it's going to come down. But often we miss the opportunity when it's presented for us. Because often, in fact, most of the time when God lifts us up or when God calls us, it's, it's a great... Sometimes the opportunities are a little bit hidden and they come with something. They come with a sacrifice. Nothing of God, when God pulls us up, there's always a sacrifice attached with it. And the Bible says that that young man went home angry. And I know that there's people here, there's probably, there'll be people here that are, you are looking for something in God. Maybe you, are, you, you come back to the church, you are, you're, you're looking for something fresh in God. And sometimes you look for the pastor, and I know people, they go away angry because something that I've spoken or so, something that has happened, they go away angry. Like this young man, he went away angry. Jesus said to, said to him, sell all your things and give it away. What was the point? The, the issue behind that was Jesus was challenging a heart attachment that he had. That, that is not a blanket rule for everyone. Don't sell everything that you have and give it away. That's, then you'll never be able to help people. <laughs> yeah. It was him. That his attachment, his heart attachment was to the things that he had. So I want to um, 
open up a little bit more about what competing commitments are because it is the real reason that people don't change. It's the real reason why good people don't move forward. One of the things I'm believing for, again, is prosperity. I, I want us to move forward. Wherever you are right now, I want us to move forward. I'm believing for me to move forward in every part of my life. I'm believing to move forward into, the, into fresh things of God. I'm believing to move forward financially. I'm believing to move forward and uh, uh, what God has called me to do. But the, the real opposition is not really the devil. He is an adversary. But the real reason people never move forward, you, you notice the story with the rich young ruler. Where was the devil? He wasn't there. <laughs> the very thing that caused him, he could have been an apostle, but today we never know his name. He was the apostle that never was. He had everything that was going for him. He loved him. Jesus loved him and called him. But yet there was something, it wasn't the devil that intervened in his life. It was something else that he was attached to that stopped him from walking into the fullness of what Jesus called him to. Jesus calls people. Jesus never stops calling people. But the issue is sometimes, in fact, for many of the times, it's not really the devil. He is an adversary, but he's not the only adversary. It's the real reason people don't change or organizations don't change. There are real forces that work in the background that keep people bound or powerless. They stop or stop progress. They cause frustration and rob destiny. You notice with this young man, it wasn't the devil that robbed his destiny. It wasn't the devil. It was something that his heart was attached to that caused him to miss out on what God had for him. We, uh, there's, a, there's another scripture here. There's, this is a line that catches my, my, my heart. When uh, Kate and I were in, in, uh, in Israel, we stood on this very place. We stood on the Mount Carmel, on the very place that Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. And he said in, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, Elijah challenged the people, and this is the message version. Elijah challenged the people, how long are you going to sit on the fence? How long are you going to sit there? If God is the real God, follow him. If it's Baal, Baal, follow him. Make up your minds who you're going to follow. And this last line here, interesting. Nobody said a word and nobody made a move. Nobody said a word and nobody made a move. Here, basically, Elijah put the gauntlet, put the, laid it down in front. If you're going to follow the Lord, follow him. But if you're not, follow Baal. Interesting, the same concept of competing commitments. Always, they're right through the Bible. How long are you going to sit on the fence? The reason why people sit on the fence is because they have a commitment this way, and they also have a commitment that way. Interesting, again, the devil was not involved. It was simply a matter of where your heart was. Divided loyalties. Even Paul struggled with it. In Romans 7, he said, the things I, I don't want to do, I do, and the things I, I, I should be doing, I don't do. Again, the devil's not involved at all. But yet it's a place where the devil influences, the Satan influences the issue is, most of the time, is, is for many of the occasions, is not the devil. He is, an, he is an opposer, 
He is an accuser. He's all of that. But he's not, I believe, like he is an adversary. But most, much of the time, he's not our only adversary. The, our core adversary is the affections of our own soul, what our own soul is attached to. We've seen many people, great people, good-looking people, with all, all the prophetic words and wonderful things. But the reason they don't move forward is not the devil. The reason they don't move forward is, is because of divided loyalties. They sit, just sit on the fence. There most certainly is a devil and he's an adversary. But the reality is most ourselves can be our own adversary and the devil attaches to the hidden parts or the hidden affections of our heart. Sometimes he opposes us front on, but sometimes, in fact, most of the time, he attaches to hidden parts, hidden commitments of our heart and influences us to make decisions. But you don't need to remain powerless or passive in the face of competing commitments. The word I felt for this, for, for today, and for my life and for, for many people here, was it's time to break the stalemate. The word stalemate. And for many people, I believe you're here, but even, and even for my own life, I'm preaching to myself as well, that there's parts of our life, parts of our, sometimes we can't always put our finger on it, but it feels like I'm caught in a stalemate. It's almost like you're on a chessboard and it's like a checkmate. I'm not sure whether I should move this way or not sure if I move, should move that way. I'd like to move that way, but I'd also like to move this way as well. You understand what I'm saying? For many people, they get caught in good people, uh, great people, great giftings, great, wonderful people, but just caught in a stalemate. Got, got a heart over here and I've got a heart, piece of my heart over here. Understand this, that commitments are the driving seat of our life. Commitments are the driving seat of our life. And the reason why is this. Commitment inherently has power. When you commit to something, you release power. If you release commitment to one thing, then you give that a lot of your power. I don't know if you're a Bruce Lee fan here, he's, but one of the things he said was this. He said, I'd rather learn how to do one kick a thousand times than learn a thousand kicks. Hello? <laughs> In other words, I'd rather put my capacity into learning how to do one thing really well than knowing heaps of tricks but have no power in any of them. You know the Bruce Lee people? <laughs> Commitment is the decision to direct your heart and to direct your mind. And when you direct it in a different, in a particular way, your energy or your spirit, your heart goes into that. Whenever you start making wobbly decisions, whenever you don't commit, one of the things you will find inherently is this, is when your heart or your mind is scattered in two different ways, you'll end up with dents in your boat somewhere. I came down the river the other day and uh, my wee jet boat, and it was a really rough piece of water. I mean, that was, like I was still just getting used to the boat and there's rocks and boulders and sharp turns and things like that. And the first few times I went through this, as I was doing this rescue, first couple of times I went through this, I, it was kind of like, oh my, I've just wrecked my boat. It's a bit dense. And I tried to go down there slowly because I wasn't confident so much. And so I thought, well, I'll just take it slowly so I don't, uh, don't wreck something. I don't wreck me. don't wreck the person next to me that I'm trying to rescue. doesn't cost me anything. I just I was a little bit nervous. But the problem is when I went down there like that, got a whole pile of dents in the boat. <laughs> Nearly turned it upside down. But the more I became confident, the more I became decisive, the more I committed myself to 
making the thing go down and around, the more, the more confident I became to the point where it didn't hit the rocks anymore. But this is where, the, where for many of us, we don't move forward in our life is because of competing commitments. It comes from a belief or a desire that's attached to something. So commitment comes from a belief or it comes from a heart connection, not just by itself, but it's always connected to something else. And it's the something else that causes us to have a, compete, have a competition in our commitment. Commitment comes from vision. When people have a vision, they're committed to it. In other words, if it's not outside, if it's outside their vision, they don't put their heart, they don't put their mind to it. Uh, commitment, responsibility is something that people commit to. There are things that I have to say no to because I have a higher, because I have a responsibility. There are things that I said no to yesterday, things that I wanted to do, I wanted to be there, but I had to say no because I had got a higher commitment. In other words, my mind is there, my heart is there. There are things, even when I'm coming to church, my heart, my mind is, is focused on what I should be doing or what God wants to do. It can't be scattered. Because if it's scattered, then I'll become lost. Sometimes our commitment can be to a person or an activity. There's a bunch of things that our commitment can be attached to. But when there's competing commitments, you'll find that people get caught in a stalemate or, or they're caught in a checkmate. And this is where I know from my own heart that I want to break. There are things, there are commitments that I want to break. And, and if you look at the, the rich young ruler, was this. The reason why he went away angry Largely it's because this, Jesus touched a part of his heart that he was committed to. And the thing is about this, he didn't even know he was committed to it until Jesus touched it. And this is the reason about, about uh, um, competing commitments, is most of the time the competing commitment is hidden. In other words, we don't know it's there. We kind of know something needs to shift, but we don't know what, we don't know how. And for many of the times, our heart is connected to a hidden commitment. In other words, you know, some people would call it a soul tie. Or you might have heard that term before. But it's a commitment that our heart is connected to, and it's hidden. In other words, you don't know it's there until something or somebody touches it or takes it away. Then you hear a squeal or a struggle or things like that. How many people know what I'm talking about? Hidden commitments. Sometimes we're committed to a dream. When somebody tries to challenge that, we start to get reactionary. I'm just, just moving through it for the essence of time, but when I write the book, you'll be able to... <laughs> when I commit to writing the book... Let me bring a, couple, a, a, a few levels. First level is this. People have a desire for change. You don't have to show your hands, but I'm sure there are many people here today in your own heart, in your own life, you are wanting something to change. The big problem is sometimes we're not sure what we want to change. We just need to know something needs to change. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's a big part of people's struggle is help getting clarity of what needs to change. So that's one of the things that we have is this. A surface level, sometimes most of us don't know what it is and it frustrates people. It frustrates us. And when people are experiencing frustration because they know something needs to change, but they're not quite sure what needs to change, sometimes that frustration will come out on people. You start to get angry at me, you start to get angry at God, or start to looking for opportunities, or looking for things elsewhere, looking for opportunities over here. But the real issue is not really me, and it's not the devil, and it's not the lack of opportunities, because there's opportunities everywhere. There's opportunities here. 
The real issue is often this, a hidden commitment inside people's heart. Let me explain a little bit more. There are behaviors or habits that stop us from affecting uh, the change. It's what I, I believe Paul was talking about. There are things that I want to do, but I don't do them. In other words, they're in his heart, but his behavior is doing something else. I want to write a book. However, my life is filled up with other things that are taking up a lot of time. So there's behaviors, there are things that are in my heart that I want to do. And I've, been try, I've been wanting to do them for a long time, but I haven't done them because my behavior is, is taking my, my life in a different direction. The question is, at what point or what is motivating my heart to carry on this course when I know that I should be doing this way? How many people know what I'm talking about? It's kind of a little bit round in circles. But you know we should be doing something, but yet our heart or our actions are going somewhere else. Behind our, our behaviors and our habits, there's often a hidden commitment. It's because most of the time it's not there. And underneath that hidden commitment is, is the root of the problem, is this. It's an assumption or a belief that we've set our heart on. When we are believe things or when we assume things, beliefs form the, the driving motor of our, of our life. They, 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 they shape what we give our heart and what we give our time and our, and our affection to. One of the reasons, one of the things is this. If, if you, you know something needs to change, but you're not sure what, but you have a behavior that's driving you in a certain way, underneath that you have a commitment to something else, and underneath that commitment there will be a, a belief or an assumption that you've either made about yourself, made about the people around you, made about the environment, regardless. I, here's another thing. I, let, let me explain. I weighed up for a long time whether I should go to study. There was something inside of me wanted to study. I know I needed something else in my life. I ne and so I, I was looking at the course of study. But I put it off probably for two or three years. Uh, I had all the intentions of doing it, but yet my behavior said something else. My behavior was doing... I, I actually never got down to it and put and signed up. But I knew I wanted to. And so I was caught almost in a stalemate for a few years. And when I really questioned it, there was a commitment to failure. In other words, I kind of knew that I was okay, smart enough. But because of bad experiences at school, I had a commitment to my failure at school. And I didn't know it was there. The underlying belief and the underlying assumption was this, that I'm not smart enough. <laughs> How about that? And so, I mean, this is just something simple. This is just one of the things that caught me up in my life. And funny enough, I'm also going to go through the same battle. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at further study. The question is, will I commit my heart to it? Why won't I commit my heart to it? Even after getting a master's degree, there's still the belief, there's still the assumption that I'm not smart enough. That's what I'm saying. It's the commitment to an assumption or commitment to a belief inside of your heart, inside of our heart, that stop us from moving forward. I have in my heart to be, I, I know I've been called to touch the nation, so why don't I? Maybe there's a commitment, there's something of failure or, or something inside and a belief about myself that, Maybe I don't have what it takes to be that person. And because there's an assumption there, it keeps me committed to not moving forward. And therefore, it touches every part of my behavior. In other words, I'll, st I'll still keep thinking about this for the next 20 years. 
I might have a hundred prophecies over me, but nothing moves forward. Why? Because I'm still committed to something in my heart that I don't know it's there. Until somebody talks to me about it. Until somebody challenges that. And there, either I get angry or I can respond. Here's another example about prosperity. I'm going to bring you into prosperity. Many people have the assumption and the belief that God does not want them to prosper. And every time I talk about prospering, even the time I talk about tithing or finance, people would get angry. Why? Well, maybe quite likely the issue is not me. Quite likely the issue is maybe there's a hidden commitment in your heart that keeps you in a place of poverty. And the, and the reality is every time we talk about moving forward, it surfaces a belief inside of there that God does not want you to be prosperous. My, grand, my parents were in poverty. My grandparents, before, before they were... If poverty's been in your line. It takes faith to be able to challenge that and say, ah, no, no, no. We're, committed, we're not committed to being poor anymore. We're going to commit to be prosperous. It's a, it's a, here's, a, here's another good one, you, that pastors should be poor. You're driving a nice Audi. Wait till I get the new one. No, 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 no. You can see how the issue is not really the devil in many places. The issue is the commitment to either belief or an ideology or, or what our heart is com committed to. And behind that, there is an assumption. I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter where you are from. It doesn't matter what your background is. God has got great things for you. There are people here, you are called to touch nations. The problem is you've got a hidden commitment inside of your heart. It is not me. It is not the devil. It's not nobody. The issue is the hidden commitment, the hidden belief inside of your heart. That is the biggest adversary that you'll ever have. Hello? <laughs> Let me just, I'm just going to run down a few for you. Here's a few hidden commitments. Lifestyle. People don't move ahead in God or financially because they're more committed to their current lifestyle. I'll get a little bit tighter. There are people here today that you are believing for a house. You want a house, but you're also attached to your lifestyle. And the reason why you're attached to your lifestyle is because you spend money on buying all these nice things. Could it be that there's an assumption underneath there or a belief, a hidden commitment that you are just wanting to impress people? Could it be that the issue is that you are fearful of people looking at you and saying, look, you only have a Look what kind of coffee you drink. Or you look what, you don't go to takeaways, you don't buy this. The reason people beat themselves into debt buying things that they don't need in order to press, impress people that they don't like anyway. That's what Shane Willard talked about. The point being is, is there a, a belief that you can't do it? Is there a belief that, or a fear inside of your heart? So lifestyle keeps people Stop, stop some people from moving forward. You can see it in the newspapers. You can see it in the, in, the, in the generations that people like the lifestyle of eating out and spending money and looking good and, and trying to impress all these people to, hit, to, to fuel a, a hidden desire in their heart. But all the while, they're missing out on what God wants for them. The same thing with moving forward. People here today, you're called to be apostles, prophets, pastors, but you're connected to your lifestyle. Jesus talked about that. He said, you want to come follow me? You want to, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you this. 
However, you've got to lay down your life. You've got to sacrifice some things. You can't have a dollar each way. So that's what some, many people will find themselves in. Nobody said a word and nobody makes a move. Until somebody makes the decision, I'm going to go hard out for the Lord. I'm going to follow Him. So lifestyle can be one. It can be a call to be an apostle, wants to be used powerfully by God, but don't want to give up my lifestyle. Here's another one. New skill or further education. You want to, you can see the benefit, but you just don't do it. Because you assume you're not bright enough. You are. You are bright enough. You're smart enough. Whoever told you that you're not, it's a lie. Don't believe that lie. My, one of my professors said this. They put their hand, he said, put your hands up if you think in this room. Put your hands up. You don't need to do it, but put your hands up if you think you're creative. And about two or three people put their hands up. And he said, let me tell you this. Every person here is creative. So the reason why many people don't think they are creative is they, way back at school, they, drew, they tried to draw a picture and people mocked them because of their drawing skills and, and, and it shut something of their heart down. They committed to the fact, they committed to the idea or the belief that they weren't creative. And that has held them back all their life. Competing commitment, they don't know it's there. Actually, everyone was creative. You, you, you're, born, you're made in the image of God. You're creative. It's just different expressions. Relationships. Here's another one. Many people are committed, have hidden commitments into relationship. They try to please people. Here's one that I find that affects many people. They try to keep a relationship with two or more people who may be in conflict, so really neither com- commit to neither especially people who are opportunists and looking for opportunity. I'll just keep my options open everywhere. I'll keep a kind of a connection to over here and kind of connection over here. But you'll find out if you do both, if you do that, you'll never really move forward. You'll stay just moving that space. Here's another one. Mates and your wife. So some people, they want to hang out with their mates, but they have also want to hang out with their wife. They want to do this. They want to enjoy their hobbies, but they also want a great family. At the end of the day, you have hidden commitments inside of your heart. You've got to prioritize that. Work and home. You'll find that there is a, a pull or commitment to work, but there's also commitment at home as well. And this is one of the issues of, of, of working through life is, is learning to prioritize that. What's driving you? What's the, what's the belief behind the commitments that we have in our heart? Here's another one. Brokenness or disability. Some people have walked through brokenness or disabilities of, 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 of various types. They, they remain attached to that, and that becomes their source of identity. But you look at the story of Bartimaeus. You look at Bartimaeus when Jesus called him. He immediately, what did he do? He threw off his blanket. He threw off his competing commitment. It wasn't just a blanket. It was simply, it was much more than just a blanket. It wasn't just a blanket for keeping him warm. It was something that was his life. It was the only thing that he had in his life, and it was his license to receive an income. It was his life. So it was either go to Jesus or hold on to my life. The Bible says that he threw aside that and leapt up to his feet and came to Jesus. Many people, they remain in a place of brokenness, whether, you, uh, whether you've had something happen to you, 
you want to move forward, but you still remain committed to the pain inside of your life. Underneath there, there will be a a belief or an assumption. Here's another one, race or culture. For many people, they know that God has called them up and to have an influence, but in doing so, it will also challenge cultural or racial beliefs. You feel the call of God to arise over here, but you also feel a loyalty to your people. Inside, there's a fear sometimes that if I say yes to God and walk away from the people that I'm racially or culturally connected to, they won't love me, so I'll stay in the middle and just please both. Abraham, the Bible says, left his father's house and his people. If you place race or culture above what God is calling to you, you'll remain caught in a place of frustration. I know there's people here today, you've made a decision to put kingdom culture, and I'm not talking about any particular color, I'm just saying you've made a decision to put the kingdom of God first over your culture of birth. Many people, they get stuck because they they just can't let go. There's a hidden assumption and a hidden belief in there. And last one here, before I conclude. Prior established logic or the way that we have previously done or thought about things. The way that we're used to do things. The way that we're used to run church. The way that you're used to think about God. The way that you've been raised up. This happened all through scripture. You have a way or thinking about something and... uh, you get committed to a way of doing things. I can tell you now, talk to any musician, if they're used to playing a particular way and trying to get them to change and play a different style, no, 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 <laughs> not happening. One of the things you notice about Jesus was this. He disrupted tradition. He disrupted institutional logic or what they thought about God, what they thought God was like. And for many of us, we still struggle with the same thing. We have ideas about what we've been taught, what God is like, and never really even challenge the idea that God could be something different aside what we've been taught. For example, this. Some people are taught with the notion, they are taught or ground with the belief that God is an angry God, ready to smite people from heaven. He's not like that. Remember, whoever gave you that idea? Jesus is the expressed example of God the Father. You want to know what God the Father has looked like, treats people? Look how Jesus treated people. Jesus never was in a space ready to hammer people for their failures. So don't worry if you made a mistake. Don't worry. God's not going to distance himself from you. Don't worry if you haven't prayed this week or anything like that. Some people live with that belief, if I haven't prayed during the week, then God won't use me. No, that's an assumption. He's with you all the time. Some people live with the belief or the assumption that if I made a mistake, if I swore or went over the speed limit or did something, then God won't want to use me anymore. No, that's not true at all. Here's another assumption. I'm just young in God. Then God won't, I, I need to be like that. I, I need to be in church for 20 years before God will use No, that's wrong. You can get saved straight away. You can receive Jesus Christ. All you have to do is just commit yourself. That's it. Maybe there are people here today, you've got hidden commitments. A couple of ways to break up the stalemate is one, develop a sense of urgency. 
you only got so much time. Bartimaeus made an assertive decision. He didn't waver. He didn't. He cast off his competing commitment. Once Jesus moved on, so did the moment to change also move on. Sometimes you only have a window of opportunity to make the decision to commit. Jesus never chased the rich young ruler. He just let him walk. You need to walk, walk. Make a decision. If you're going to follow Jesus, follow Jesus. One last key. The second key is one of our cultural pillars. One of our our cultural pillars is this, is the courage to question. For many people, it's like questioning, questioning other people. But the most courageous question we can ask is this, is the question of ourself. It takes courage to ask ourselves the question, Lord, is it I? It takes courage to ask the question of ourself, what hidden commitment in me is hindering me from moving forward? Some people will ask me for opportunity, ask me for opening doors. Most of the time, the question is not the lack of opportunity. The question is, what is in me that is hindering me or creating an environment around me that is stopping opportunity opening? Now that takes courage to question. I've got to ask myself those questions. There are things that I want to do. The question, the most brave question I've got to ask or courageous question is, what of my heart is connected to? What, what have I believed about myself? What am I committed to? What's the competing commitment in my own heart that is keeping me in a place of stalemate? Now that would be a courageous question to ask. Is, there a, is it a belief? Is it something that I've been sitting on? Is it Only you can answer that question. There is a a great cost to being a disciple of Jesus, but there is also a great reward. Jesus said, why do you keep looking backward to your past and having second thoughts about following me? When you turn your back, whoever puts his hand to the plow and then turns back, is unfit for the kingdom. You may have been here for a long time and your commitment is just, eh. I want to encourage you, make a fresh commitment today to follow Jesus Christ. Make a fresh commitment to deal with what other things have got inside of your heart. Have the question to ask yourself, what's inside of me that I'm connected to? See, action is always better than remaining passive. And sometimes there is only just a window or a season of grace to make that decision. Because at some point, you become dead wood. Jesus said, whoever, whatever branch does not bear fruit, cuts it off. It becomes dead fruit. It becomes dead wood. If you are in a place where you're wanting to move forward, then make a decision internally to challenge what assumptions. Because I'm going to tell you now, we are moving forward, and I don't really want to drag dead wood with me. I don't want to keep motivating people for the next 20 years who are still sitting in the valley of decision, who will say nothing and do nothing, just like the people of Elijah. If you're going to come forward, come forward. If you're going to stay here, stay here. If you want to decide, if you want to, if you want to prosper, you want to move forward in the things that God has called you to do, then make a decision. Something has got to give. Make sure the right thing gives. <laughs> think about it. Get some wisdom on that. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are calling us upwards and that you are calling us forwards. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us collectively as a church to make a difference in this nation and the nations of the earth. I thank you today for the people here that you have called to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers. 
I thank you for the people that you've called here to be business people, that would employ people, that would shift economics in our nation. I pray today, Father, for those that are carrying dreams inside of their heart. I pray for those today, Lord, that are carrying greatness inside of their hearts today. I thank you for those that have received words of greatness from you. But Lord, maybe just sitting there and just committed to a, maybe a lifestyle or something, committed to something that they just keep them in a stalemate. I pray, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. You are the comfort of heaven. Holy Spirit, we welcome your ministry into our lives today. Give us the courage, I pray today, Holy Ghost, to ask ourselves the question, what part of my heart is stuck? Where is the competing commitment? I know that you're calling me forward, but Lord, what is it in my heart? What has my affections been attached to that is keeping me in a place of powerlessness? I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would speak. I pray, even for me, Holy Ghost, that you would work inside of my life afresh today. Lord, help me to move forward. Help me to give the courage to address the parts of my heart that are stuck. Help me to give the give me the courage, Lord, to, to break the stalemate inside of my own life. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray your hand of blessing upon every household here today. Lord, let your face shine upon them in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would stir in their hearts today. I thank you that as your word has gone forth into people, let it stir afresh in Jesus' name. Let it stir like the fire. Let it stir, Lord, the passion that you've, uh, let the passion stir up again in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, all God's people said.